Welcome to the Shoreline Community Church Podcast, a community of love, acceptance, forgiveness, and belonging. For more information, be sure to check us out online at shorelinecc.com. If you have your Bibles today, I encourage you to continue this series. We're going to be looking at 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. So get out your phones, get out your smart tablets, get out your paper Bible, whatever you have. 1 Peter chapter 2, as we continue our series, this is week 2, uh, doing our Backpackers Handbook to Following Christ. This week we're going to be talking about one of the most important things on the trail. And especially if you're on a difficult trail, i found that the more difficult the trail is, the more important it is for you to have a good guide. How many of you have realized that? Anytime you have a destination, whether it's in your personal life, in your business life, wherever it is, if you have goals you want to achieve, places you want to go, you need a good guide. In music, you need a teacher, you need a coaching in athletics. We need a guide because a guide is going to enable us to get there. And as I just said, the tougher the trail, the more important that guide becomes. You know, and in my life, one of my tough trails that I first came across was the tough trail of kindergarten. How many of you have ever been to kindergarten? Have you been there? Okay. Now, when it came time to go to school, I was excited about kindergarten, but I was also a little bit nervous about kindergarten, you know, because my mom loved me, and I loved being around my mom, but now this was a new environment, and I went to kindergarten, and I found this woman that I just loved, and her name was Mrs. Hardy. And in my eyes, there was no one like Mrs. Hardy. How many of you had a crush on your kindergarten teacher? You, 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 just, you just love them. Well, this was Mrs. Hardy. And so as a little five-year-old Dwayne, I couldn't wait to make a good impression. And I probably looked like that kid up right there showing up, right? Every question, you raise your hand. You didn't think about the answer. You just raise your hand. You were there. And I wanted, to make, I wanted to make sure Mrs. Hardy knew that, you know what? I'm here to follow you, Mrs. Hardy. I'm here, whatever you say to do. And Mrs. Hardy did something uh, that is not often done today, but she did something uh, where she opened up her class often in prayer. She would invite kids to pray, and she would open it up, and she would look at us and say, okay, kids, now let's, I want everyone to bow their heads. I want everyone to close their eyes, and we're just going to take a moment to pray and ask God to lead us in class today. I was excited because I, I knew prayer. I'd been to Sunday school. I knew what that was all about. And as she asked us to pray and she said amen at the end, little Dwayne did what this kid did. He raised his hand and said, Miss Hardy, Mrs. Hardy, Mrs. Hardy. She said, yes, Dwayne. What do you want? Said, I, I, I want to tell you something. I have a, something to report. When you were praying, Susan had her eyes open and you said she had to close her eyes. And I thought at that point I was going to get a star next to my name. I thought she was going to just put an A++ next to everything. But here's what she said. Know what she said? How did you know her eyes were open? (laughs) I was devastated. Has that ever happened to you? You tried to tell, maybe you weren't that tattletale kid like I was. But in In the course of trying to make sure rules were followed, you actually ended up breaking a rule on your own? This is kind of what we're talking about today. I think sometimes we can get so zealous or so excited about things that we actually end up going against some of the things that God's calling us to do. And this is, the, this, this is part of what Peter's trying to tell us here. So I want to pull it up today. This is uh, 2 Peter, and I want to invite you to read along just a few verses today. Actually, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13 to 17. Let's have everyone read along. Let's read together. For the Lord's sake, submit to all human authority whether the king as head of state or the officials that he has appointed. For the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong 
and to honor those who do right. It is God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. For you are free, yet you are God's slaves, so don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Respect everyone and love the family of believers. Fear and respect the king. Respect everyone, love the family of believers, fear God, and respect the king. And what we're going to spend just a few moments talking about this morning is this whole issue of how do we follow the guide? How do we submit to authority? Has that ever been a struggle to you? Right? Sometimes it can be easy and sometimes it can be difficult when you're like, I'm not sure where you're leading me here. But as we gather these few moments, I believe the Lord's going to speak to us about what this all means, what this all means. So, Lord, as we stand before you, Lord, we, we just echo those words from your scripture. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. If that's your heart, just speak that to the Lord. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So, Lord, help us to hear from your word today. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. My Lord, my rock, my redeemer, my high place. Speak through me, Lord, that your truth would come forward and be spoken to us today. And everyone said together, amen, amen. So authority, this is difficult, isn't it? And the Bible starts off in here in this section talking about it's important to submit to authority because we know that in every situation we often find ourselves that there is a leader there or there is an authority of some sort no matter where you walk. And the Bible's position on leadership is very clear. When we look at the Bible, we find that leadership is very important when heading out. Every time there was an assignment, the Lord placed in there an authority, a leader. We, we see this with Noah, we see it with Moses, with David, with Joseph, with Paul. And as we look at the Bible's position on leadership, we need to, first of all, acknowledge a key thing, that leadership is God-given. Who gives leadership? God. Romans 3 says, everyone must submit to governing authorities for all authority comes from God and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted and they will be punished. See, recognizing that leadership is God-given. This is something that God has given and it's so important in this that we honor all those that are in places of leadership for us no matter how we feel about it. See, so often for most of us, the first leaders that we find in our life are our parents. Our parents, they're often our first leaders. And Ephesians 6 is clear. It says, children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have a long life. As I was reading that, I, I could just hear my mom echoing. Parents, have, have you ever said to your child, you need to obey me that life will go well for you, that you'll have a long life? My mom said to me that a lot because, as I said earlier, there were things that I, I had challenges with growing up a little bit. Our parents were the first ones. And then often for a lot of us, leaders, other leaders would come along. It would be a babysitter. How many of you had a favorite babysitter, right? That person that let you stay up late and watch TV and step outside the lines a little bit. We also have leaders in our lives that are teachers. We have coaches. And then we come to a leader for many of us that's our first job. How many remember your first job or you're in your first job, right? You get your first job, and along with that first job, you get that first paycheck. And when you get that first paycheck, you discover something called taxes. 
Remember that. You're like, they're stealing from me. They're taking money from me and it's taxes. And you recognize there's another leader in your life. And this is called the government. That's a rude awakening for a lot of us. And I know even a lot for my kids, as they get their first check, they're like, what is this? I thought I made more than this. See, there are leaders in our life. And the whole leadership, uh, it's, it's, it can be a mixed bag of experiences. Because some leaders are very easy to follow. There are some leaders that we actually, we, we, we sign up to follow them. We sign up to be a part of them. But sometimes it can be difficult to follow our leaders, can't it? Is there a leader in your life that's hard to follow? Don't point at them. But there are leaders in our life that can be difficult. Because see, when we agree with our leaders, when we feel loved by our leaders, whoever's leading us, whether at work or, at, or wherever we find ourselves, it can be a very easy job to follow them. But it's when we disagree with our leaders or when we don't feel their love, when we don't feel their support, this is when it gets challenging, isn't it? And as we look at the Word of God today in 1 Peter chapter 2, the audience that Peter was talking to, this was a tough message for them. This message of, for the Lord's sake, submit to all authorities was a very difficult situation because I think a lot of times we can look at Scripture and say, Peter, that was easy for you to say, but you don't know the bonehead that I'm having to follow. You don't know the person that I'm having to follow. You don't know what's going on in my life. It was easy for you, Peter. Let me tell you the audience that Peter was talking to. Let me talk you, tell you about the context that Peter was in. One theologian stated it this way, that Peter's audience was scattered and mistreated, imprisoned, and enslaved. They were rejected by family members. They were singled out by their employers. And they were attacked by law enforcement officials who were supposed to protect them. And all of them throughout the entire empire were living under an emperor who was increasingly insane and anti-Christian. This is narrow they're talking about. Think about that. Scattered, mistreated, imprisoned, enslaved, rejected by your family, singled out by your employers, attacked by law enforcement, the ones trying to protect you. And you have a leader who's increasingly insane and anti-Christian. And then Peter gets up and says, for the Lord's sake, submit to all authority. Is that a church you want to stay at? <laughs> You'd be like, Peter, do you not, are you not experiencing what we're experiencing? See, Peter's message, though it was a very radical message, especially in that context, we need to realize that his message is consistent with God's instruction for following leaders. This was consistent. And I think as we look at this and we apply it to our context just like theirs, we need to understand that following Christ means that we're going to head into some difficult terrain. When we follow Jesus, it is not just about an easy path. But remember, Jesus is on a rescue mission. Jesus is out to seek and to save. He leaves the 99 to go for the one that is lost and to reach him out. And when we follow Jesus, we follow him along those same paths. Have you ever tried to rescue somebody that got themselves in trouble? I have. And as you're paddling out there, you're going, you know, I could go down trying to save this person. If someone's drowning, oftentimes the person who's trying to save the person being drowned is at risk of being drowned themselves. Because you're rescuing people who are fighting. They don't know what's going on. They've lost all touch with what's going on because they're riddled with fear. And Jesus steps in and he says, I want you to come alongside of me as a follower of Christ. I'm using you and I'm sending them out. And it can be very tough in this. So we need to remember that this is our role 
as followers of Christ. We're going to hit some tough terrain. We need this leader. So why should we submit? Peter talking to this context, this context of people that they're being persecuted, they're being ridiculed, they're being singled out. Submit to your authorities. Why do I need to submit, Peter? Why do I? Because we need to recognize that submission reveals who we are serving. See, this whole passage, it starts off with these four words, for the Lord's sake. For the Lord's sake. See, our submitting to human authority, it ultimately reflects who we are serving. It reflects who we are serving. As we said earlier, all authority is given by who? God. See, he didn't say some authority is given by God. And you may have a lot of disagreements, and you may have a lot of confusion about why is God doing what he's doing. Have you ever been confused by something that God is doing? I think we all have. And if you haven't been confused, I think you're confused about that. There's times that things happen, and we ask the question, why? I don't understand. Why is that person in authority? Why are they there? But see, Peter's pulling at that point that submitting, it reveals ultimately, do we trust God? Do we see God? See, it reflects our trust or our lack of trust in the God who has placed them in authority that we read just a little while ago in Romans 13. And as we look at submission, we recognize also from this passage that submission is also a reflection of holiness. And if you want to know more about that, look at last week's message. Last week we talked a lot about holiness and what it is and what it entails. But as we look at the holiness of God and our instruction last week to be holy because he is holy, we recognize that holiness, it begins with submitting and surrendering to God. It's a posture of submitting and saying, Lord, I trust you. I know that you're in charge. You are my God. And just like Job, who am I to question you? When we recognize who God is, humility should come in very, very quickly. See, the aspect of holiness is that it is holistic in nature. Holiness, it consumes all of us. There is no compartmentalization as it relates to holiness. And I think a lot of times we can incorporate what's often called situational ethics, right? We have these ethics, we have these morals, we have these beliefs, and they may guide us for most of the time, but when we come across some things that are difficult, then we take those ethics and we pull them out and we keep them in this box. But over in this box, God, this doesn't make sense over here. Is that holiness? No, it's not. And I believe that's where we get into a lot of trouble, especially as it relates to the followers of Christ. And as it relates to this issue of holiness, of following, allowing the Lord to consume us, to fill us, to transform us, it's oftentimes as followers of Christ when we compartmentalize times, that's why we get so confused, and it's also why we confuse the culture that we are in. Our compartmentalization, it often discredits the love of Christ that we confess to know, the love of Christ that we confess to believe. And it dilutes the message that the Lord is trying to speak through us. See, this is for God's glory. It says, for the Lord's sake. How we treat others, particularly those in leadership, it reflects ultimately how we view God. Do we trust him? Does God have this position of authority and leadership in our life? This is where the holiness comes out in us. See, being fully surrendered to God, being filled with his spirit and allowing his holiness to transforms us it affects every area the things that we agree the things we don't agree where we say is trust so filled with all this 
This brings us to the question that I believe Peter's audience was asking. It's probably the answer the question that you're asking right now is, well, okay, God, you're in charge of everything. You've done everything. You place all leaders. So how do I handle opposition? Have you ever had opposition with a leader? Whether you've spoken it out or whether you've thought about it, you're like, okay, you're in charge. You pick all the leaders. You're in charge of everything. So how do I handle this opposition? How do I handle this hard thing that's coming my way with a leader? Well, he lays this out in verse 15. Here's what Peter writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, God's holy word. Verse 15 says, it is God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. And we read again, it is God's will, God's will for you, that your honorable lives should do what? It should silence those who are ignorant and make foolish accusations against you. What is Peter talking about when he talks about living this honorable life? When we look at what that means and when we study that, we, we know that this means it's doing good, it's doing the good works, it's allowing the will of God to be alive in you. See, living an honorable life is about having God's will in its fullness accomplished through the power of the Holy Spirit in you coming alive in you in every situation, that full trust, that full surrender to God. And his will for us, as we studied last week, was that we would be holy as he is holy. See, this submission in doing the will of the Father, Jesus modeled this. Remember what Jesus said? I'm not here to do my will. I'm here to do the will of the Father. I'm here to do the will of the Father. This is what Jesus said in John 6, 38. I'm here to do the will of the Father. See, everything comes back to this issue of holiness, reflecting who God is. We were made in the image of God, the Imago Dei, but to do that, we need to be fully surrendered and alive in Jesus Christ, allowing the Holy Spirit to be manifest in us because we're going to come across some tough leaders. If you haven't come across a tough leader, you will. If you've never looked at society, if you've never looked at our government and disagreed with anything, at some point you probably will. If you haven't in the past, you will in the future. Because is this our home? Is this our home? No. I love the Pacific Northwest. I love all the things that we get to do. But this is not my home. Canada is not my home. Because you may be thinking, well, he's Canadian. Maybe he's... This is not my home. And this is often where we, where we miss it. See, everything comes back to holiness, reflecting who God is. Holiness is not an event. It is the result of a life that is filled with God. Because last week we talked about how what? We are a temple for God. His spirit alive in us. Transformed by God because we are his workmanship. And now we're used by God for his purpose because we are his tool. Holiness is powerful when it's alive and active in our life. That's why Peter said, be ye holy because he is holy. But that's not something we can do in ourselves. We can't write a list of rules out. We, we can't just get a guidebook and just try to do it by ourselves. It is a supernatural act of God that you can't do that I can't do for myself. And it comes from surrendering. See, when we face opposition, oftentimes our temptation is to use the same weapons and the same tactics that enemies use for us. And I don't care what news you see, you see this now. It's hate for hate for hate for hate for hate. If you have a Twitter account, you open it up for five seconds and you find yourself in prayer going, dear God. 
is hate for hate. And this is not a political thing, this is a humanity thing because everyone's doing it, both sides. It's building, it's building, it's been building, it's been building. And if we're not, follow, if we're not careful as believers of Christ, we can fall in that same thing and say, well, you offended me, I'm going to offend you. You hate me, I'm going to hate you. But this is not the way as believers. In chapter 3 in 1 Peter, he says, don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. What? When someone is hateful towards you, when someone is hurling this towards you, pay them back with a blessing. And then Peter goes on to say, this is what God has called you to do, and he will grant you with his blessing. How many of you are going, well, that's easy to do. I do that all the time. This is difficult stuff, isn't it? So good luck. Good luck. Good luck in our culture that justifies hate. And I'm not, I'm, when I say culture, I'm talking about all of us. Okay? We're all in this big boat together. See, it justifies hate and says, you offend me, I'm going to offend you. But here's what I want to remind you of today. I don't want to remind you what it says in 1 John 4, 8. 4, 18 rather. See, where hate only creates hate, that's all hate can create. 1 John 4.18 says what? Perfect love drives out all... Perfect love drives out all fear. Perfect love drives out all fear. I think love has gotten a bad rap over the years. Sometimes we think of love being this mushy, gushy, Pastor Dwayne hugging everybody, you know. This is perfect love, perfect transformative love. The love of God that fills you to the point where you can barely stand. Have you ever been there? Standing in the holiness and the wonder and the awe of God and you experience his love as you're spreading to him that you just can't understand it. You know you don't deserve it. See, so much of the hate that's in our world is dominated by fear. It's so hard to find truth anymore. You want truth? It's the word of God. It's the living, active word of God that is sharper than any sword that will, de- de- that will show you how to walk, how to live your life if you will submit and surrender to it and allow his holiness to be in you. The perfect love of Christ. Because if we're not alive in the word of God, if we're not alive in his Holy Spirit, if we are not surrendered wholeheartedly and fully to God in every situation recognizing that all leadership comes from you, God. Everything comes from you. Everything comes from you then we can find ourselves falling into the trap of righteous anger. Have you heard of righteous anger before? See, we can justify our actions by saying, my anger is righteous. This is wrong. Does God agree with everything that a leader does? No. So as we read in Romans 13, that all leadership is given by God, it doesn't mean that God agrees with every leader. But as we look at this this morning, we need to keep that in mind, that we don't justify every action that we do. Did Jesus get angry? Yep. Have you gotten angry? Yep. Hopefully you're not angry at me right now. If not, we've got a great barbecue following the service I'd like to invite you to. Okay? 
See, anger is real. And there are times that God gets angry. Jesus himself got angry. But as it relates to us, in order for our anger to be righteous, it needs to be aligned with God. It needs to be aligned with God. And I think one of the key things for us as we're deciding that, God, is my anger justified? Is it righteous? We need to remember that all of God's actions are anchored in his love for us. See, my anger can be retaliatory. My anger can be a jealous anger. My anger can be I'm hurt. My anger can be you're wrong and I'm going to get you. God's motive in everything is leaving the 99 to get the one. It's reconciliatory. And that doesn't always happen. But if love is missing from our actions, so is righteousness. If you're looking into your heart and you can't find any love, you better be on your knees. We better be on our knees. And this has been a big challenge. See, we've often missed so many things because the love of God was missing from our lives. When we look at Scripture, we find that the Pharisees, they often missed Jesus and they justified it as what? It's righteous anger. Jesus shouldn't be doing that. Do you know how many times the Pharisees got mad at Jesus because he healed people? Think about it. Jesus healed somebody, and we're upset. Jesus fed people, and we're upset because it broke one of the rules that the scribes had. And if we're not careful, we can get into the same trap. See, when the Pharisees got, got angry and mad at him, Jesus was saying, you missed it. There was a man with a withered hand that he was going to heal, and they were all upset. And Jesus said, who's the Sabbath for? You've missed it. They saw the healing being work. And you shouldn't be working on the Sabbath. And God is saying, Who, what is it about? Who is this for? Someone has just been healed. Where is the celebration? Someone has just been reconciled. Someone has just been fed. Someone has just been loved. Where's the celebration in this? Why aren't we celebrating? See, I think a lot of times as we look to those around us and as we find this anger coming up, I think there's a key thing that we need to keep in mind. See, Jesus often got criticized for being close to the brokenhearted, for going out to those who were on the fringe. And I read this in a blog this past week, and I've heard this echoed by several people. But we should be so close to those who are broken, those who are disenfranchised, those that are at the margins, that when they're attacked, we're also being attacked with them because we're with them. You want to find someone who's heartbroken? You start loving them. You start walking through their shoes. I don't care who it is. You start experiencing what they're experiencing because you're walking alongside of them. Watch how your heart changes. Because if we're not careful, we'll start justifying everything that we do. And just like the Pharisees, instead of aligning ourselves with the work of God, we can actually begin to be attacking the will of God in, in our lives and those around us. It's not hate for hate. It's not tweet for tweet. It's saying, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. You are my God. I will follow you. I want to be filled with the love of Christ. 
I don't want there to be any hate in my life. I want there to be the love of Christ in my life leading me and guiding me. And we're not going to get our instruction from that from CNN, MSNBC, or Fox News, or even the CBC. That's Canadian, by the way. We get our direction. We live and we breathe by the very word of God that comes forth. And there's times that you're going to be under attack for it because you're in it. But it needs to be compelled by the love of God rising up within us, leading us, guiding us, step by step, breath by breath. I think that's why in this section Peter ends up by just saying four simple things. And this is basically the summary of what he just said in these four, these basic verses. These are tough verses, aren't they? These are tough verses. Happy family day. But verse 17 says this. What does it say? It says, respect everyone. Let's read this together. Respect everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God and respect the king. Who do we respect? Everyone. That's everyone you see in this room. That's everyone you see in our society. That's everyone that you see wherever you go. Everyone. God's masterpiece is everyone. God's children, everyone. He didn't say just submit to authority if you agree with them or if they're doing everything I told them. He's saying, do you trust me? Are you surrendering to me? And that starts with respecting for everyone. He says, love the family of believers. The family of believers, that's the body of Christ. And I think so many times we're fighting so much amongst ourselves that we've diluted, we've confused what God is trying to do. He says, the body of believers, are we perfect here today, Shoreline Community Church? No. And some of that imperfection you're going to see here, some of the imperfection you're going to see at the beach, some of the imperfection you're going to see, but we're family. And I will fight, I will die for you. I need you. We need to encourage each other. This is what family does. In life, in death, whatever's going on, we work it out. It's family. Family's forever. Family's for eternity. We work it out. We talk it out. We pray it out. We go to God. We go to each other. We need the family of believers. Love the family. And then he says to fear God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. That's recognizing you are God, and I will praise you. You are God. I will seek your face. When it talks about fear, it's not this cowering fear. It's not this dysfunctional fear of someone who has hurt you and abused you. It's that understanding of I stand in awe and wonder if you are. I can't believe how big you are. I can't believe how mighty, how majestic, how glorious you are. You can fill that sentence with all the words. But it's that on wonder who God is and Lord. You are Lord. So what am I going to do? I'm going to respect the king. He didn't say agree with the king. All these leaders in your life, everything comes back to God, you're in charge. Now, what do I do here? He didn't say cower. He didn't say never open your mouth. He never said speak. He didn't say never disagree. Did Jesus disagree with leaders around him? Yeah. So don't mistake what I'm saying. He's not making you just a, just, a, just a mindless person to walk about going, yes, 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 yes. 
But what he's saying is that as you respond, you need to recognize your assignment as a child of God. Be filled with the holiness of God. Be filled with his power because often the Lord's going to place you in some very difficult situations to strengthen you and to save the soul of the person you're reaching. Not to be filled with hate for them, but to say, God, their only hope is you. How many of you have got a leader? Their only hope is Jesus. I do. The Lord wants to use you today, but it's being filled with his holiness, being filled with his power. Amen? Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? Amen. Lord, this is a tough message. It's a tough message that can be misconstrued, misunderstood, misquoted, (laughs) mistweeted. Lord, I pray that your truth would come forward, that you would speak to us today through your word. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come in to bring wisdom, discernment, your power, we pray. As we take some time just to respond to the word of, of the Lord today, just we always have these questions that are just starters. And I think the first question to ask yourself is, just ask yourself, do I struggle with leadership? Is there an area of leadership in my life that I'm struggling with? Bring it to the Lord. Why? Why am I struggling? Identify where do I struggle? Where do I struggle as it relates to leading that honorable life, that good life, that holiness-filled life? Where is it that I struggle? Is there opposition in your life? How are you handling it and where do you need help? Where do we need direction in this? And then those last two questions, these are discipleship questions that every disciple of Christ needs to be asked and to ask of others. What is God speaking to you today? And how are you going to respond? This is where it comes down to, amen? As we take some moments this morning, we have communion as we do every week. This is for those who are following Christ, recognizing Jesus. Jesus who gave his life for me, for you, for those who took his life. Because the reality is he gave his life. He gave what couldn't be taken from him for you, for me. And the, the cup representing his blood. We have prayer teams and I invite our prayer teams just to step out. Let's take some moments to pray. Pray with your family today. As you recognize your leadership in the family, maybe you need to go to your family and say, you know what, I'm sorry, I'm not leading you the way that I should. Would you forgive me? Help me to be the leader that God's called me to be. Let's take some time to pray. Pray with the person next to you. Pray with the team, but let's take a few moments to respond to the Lord. Lord, Amen? Let's respond to the Lord.